brother or sister on this 12th episode of the Good Morning God podcast. As is tradition, I am your host, the Brazilian mountaineer and missionary, Lucas Ham Swisher. Thank you so much for joining me on this fine morning, afternoon, evening, or night, as we are reminded that the best part of waking up isn't coffee in your cup, but asking God what's up. Today I pray that this moment of reflection gives you a little break amidst the busyness or monotony of life as you try to navigate the game of life knowing, my friend, that you are truly not alone. Last week, we talked about some simple but quality questions we can ask each other to connect with God, to connect with people, to begin learning how to love each other better. Today, I want to share a little of what's been going on in my life, maybe a peek behind the curtain, as it were, recognize and deal with an issue that is plaguing our world, possibly more than ever, and then also share one of my favorite stories in the Bible in the process. In this story, we have the prophet called Elijah. He is a man who is supposed to listen to God and then is also is supposed to speak on God's behalf to the people around him to help them, to challenge them, rebuke them, to tell them when they're doing wrong, to tell them what to do right, to really be God's hands and feet in the nation of Israel. You know, kind of setting the stage in chapter 18, the difficult thing that's been going on as of late is there's a a severe famine and zero rain. And it's been like this for about three years. We've been in this pandemic with COVID for now eight months, and it feels like forever. And in the midst of this, a showdown is about to occur on Mount Carmel. Uh, And this showdown is going to be between Elijah the prophet versus the prophets of the pagan god Baal. They decided to go head-to-head to decide whose God is the God. And so we have two groups of people, Elijah, one guy, and like I think 700 or 600. It's a lot. It's hundreds of prophets of Baal. And each of them are praying for their God to burn up a sacrifice that they have put out. And the prophets of Baal take pretty much the whole day praying and screaming. It says that they're cutting themselves, that they're doing all these things. And then at the same time, Elijah is making fun of them is making a bunch of comments. And then eventually Elijah says, hey guys, stand back. It's my turn. He prays a simple prayer and all of a sudden God rains down fire upon his sacrifice, burns it up completely, leaving no doubt who is the true God. And in that moment, all the Israelites, the Hebrew people that are there, turn to God, they believe. And then even after that, all the prophets of Baal are killed. And then Elijah prays for rain to return and it returns. And this chapter 18, while it started in uncertain ways, it ends in true victory with God being worshipped and believed in, prosperity coming back to the land in the form of rain. It's amazing. But then in chapter 19, things take a turn for the dramatic. All of a sudden, the hope and the victory we had had in chapter 18 changes direction. The evil queen of the nation of Israel called Jezebel threatened Elijah's life in verse 2 saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of those prophets of Baal by this time tomorrow. And so she's threatening his life. And given the events of chapter 18, we'd think Elijah could just pray for God to rain fire down on her. Instead, he ran for his life. Perhaps they had the phrase at the time, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So he panicked. He ran in fear. And it says he ran into the wilderness. He was at his wit's end all of a sudden, and he got to the point where he was asking and praying for God to kill him. In this moment of despair, thankfully, God sent some angels. They provided food and drink for him, and then he was sent on a 40-day journey to Mount Oreb, called the Mountain of God. It's the same mountain where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses and committed to be the God of Israel. Once he arrived, God asked a very basic but a quality question in verse 9. What are you doing here, Elijah? 
And Elijah replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am the only one left, and they are looking for me to take my life. In other words, God, I am doing my best, but no one's helping me. I am all alone and a failure. We find Elijah, this man of God, at such a low point in his life. Now let's come to more modern times for a second. There have been different people in my life or people that I'm connected to or my wife is connected to through friends or family that have taken their lives in 2020. A friend in West Virginia that we have from a church we used to attend one day, his brother-in-law texted his wife, I can't do it anymore, and he shot himself. Just a week ago, an associate pastor of a church in northeastern Brazil, where I have visited and served and taken mission groups just as recently as last year, committed suicide by jumping off the 15th floor of his apartment, leaving behind a broken wife, five-year-old son, and a church that is heartbroken. Also around the same time, mine and my wife's college friend, her sister-in-law, who was about to finalize a divorce with her then-husband, was never able to finalize that divorce. One, because he didn't show up, and two, because she found out later that the night before he had died by an overdose, and they weren't sure if it was by accident or on purpose. And then today, hours before recording this, I found out that a pastor from Tennessee, Darren Patrick, who I did not know personally, but had listened to a podcast he had done with another pastor called The Pastor's Collective. And that podcast has been a great source of inspiration and challenge to me as a pastor myself. He was on a shooting range with a friend and had shot himself and died this past May during quarantine. I just found this out six months later, but it still was shocking. I had no idea. Depression is both a disease and a condition beyond our understanding. It's a place where we're not just dealing with human emotion and despair, but spiritual forces and warfare beyond our five senses or logical understanding. These stories that I shared, these people that are connected to my life, they faced it. And then this Old Testament story with Elijah, he faced it too. He had hit the highest of highs on Mount Carmel, had a great victory. People had come to God and their eyes had been opened. They had won the day. And now, less than 24 to 48 hours later, going from seeing God's power and truth win the day to feeling so alone that he was asking God to kill him. Personally, I don't believe that I've dealt with depression on a level that Elijah or the other people I've mentioned have faced. You know, I do remember dealing with some depression, anxiety as a teenager, especially after my mom died. And even after becoming a Christian, I would get to the point where I would just need to go on a walk alone, talking or screaming or singing or crying out to God for hours. Now in the current year of 2020, in the past, just in the past couple weeks, I've had some struggles with a little depression, a lack of motivation, some loneliness. I was making a great effort just a few weeks ago to follow a schedule, to talk and pray with someone on a daily basis, to share my faith with people, to now not wanting to really do any of that, feeling as if my present ministry has become so disorganized and difficult that I don't know exactly how to move forward. Realizing that face-to-face meetings and ministry projects and trips have gone from being a daily or weekly or monthly occurrence to now possibly next year we'll be able to do more of those things, you know, or hardly ever. You know, everything has gone digital and through social media. And for me, that's just has been overwhelming. And it's not been sufficient for quality relationships sometimes. And I feel various levels of depression and despair. And I have a feeling that there are others around me. There are others who are listening right now. Maybe you have felt those things recently. You know, this year, the CDC has carried out surveys as recently as this past summer and discovered that the number of people who have had suicidal thoughts has doubled to about one in 10 people. And for young adults from age 18 to 24, the proportion is an astonishing one in four people. As you can imagine, this trend will continue to worsen and develop 
if no proper treatment or care is given in the weeks, months, and years ahead. But thankfully, as we discover in our Bible story, God did not leave Elijah alone, nor will he leave us alone. No matter how convinced you are that you are alone, he will seek after you and he will try to help you. So going back real quick to this Bible story, in verse 11 of chapter 19, God replies after Elijah has kind of shared his heart with God. God replies, go out, stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. Next it says, at that moment the Lord passed by. Great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Notice that he had not gone out already as God had asked him to do, and that only when God was truly present, as we will see, did he leave the cave. So in September of last year, a pastor of a megachurch in California, Jared Wilson, wrote this on social media the very same day he committed suicide. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. What's very strange is that in my own experience, God first spoke to my mind and heart during the week that my mother died. My mother died overdosing on experimental medication that she had taken to treat a disease that had plagued her since she was 18 years old. I knew she was in a better place and that God was taking care of her and loved and accepted me infinitely more than my mother ever could. I remember hearing God's voice in a church service when I was 16 years old and hearing God tell me to pray for a pastor named Greg. And I didn't want to do it. He wasn't a pastor that I talked to a lot that I knew very well. I, I just imagined how strange it would be for a teenager to walk up to a pastor and be like, God told me to pray for you. But I did it. And I prayed with him. And it was very general. It, I tried to be as specific as I could. <laughs> I had no idea what it was going to do, if anything at all. And the, the next day, he came to talk to me and he said, Lucas, I want you to know that yesterday when we prayed together, at that same moment, my father-in-law had a heart attack and he was rushed to the hospital and thankfully he survived. And I believe part of the reason he survived was because we prayed. In that moment, I was so glad to hear God's voice. But during this church camp, I had one of my walkabouts, one of my, one of my moments where I, just, I really just needed to walk and listen and talk with God. And I was in a field, and I, this is nighttime, and there were like lights from the campground lights, and they were shining on the trees. And in the trees, all of a sudden, the shadows all formed to make different faces of demons. And it really freaked me out. I am not, you know, we're approaching Halloween. I am not a spooky person. I do not like horror movies. I do not like spooky stuff. And so in that moment, I was really like, why, why am I seeing this? And so I closed my eyes. I prayed. I started to sing. And then when I opened my eyes before me, all the shadows in the trees were still in the same place, but they had reformed in my perspective to make the face of Jesus. It was amazing. It was something that I remember to this day and I could vividly see in my mind's eye. Not everyone has or believes it is possible to hear God's voice. You know, my daughter has struggled to hear God. But even in this past week, she got a glimpse. She had had a rough week at school. She had said and done some things to either friends or fellow students. And Mindy had challenged her, challenged her to be better. One night, while she had already been in bed for like 30 minutes, she called for Mindy. And she told her, she said, I, I want to be better. I can feel the desire, Mommy, to be better. Can you pray with me? They prayed together. And Mindy took that moment to remind 
Natasha, Natasha, that desire to be better, that's God's voice talking to you. He's giving you that desire. And so my, my hope and prayer for my daughter, for all of us, is that we can understand that God's voice rarely talks to us, rarely communicates in ways that we expect, but he is communicating. He is trying to reach out to us. And so in this situation with Elijah, God was reaching out to him. It's so fitting that God would use a whisper. There was a gust of wind, there was a fire, there was an earthquake, but God was not in any of those things. He was in the whisper. And you know, that's really how it is for us. Most of us would likely prefer to God to speak plainly with us in a loud, booming voice from heaven or through a phone call or email or text. Yet for the most part, God doesn't communicate with anyone in a plain or obvious way. And why is that? Notice what Elijah does upon hearing the whisper. God had already asked him to walk out of the cave. He hadn't done that yet. He was still waiting on God to show up. He wanted God to be there first before he walked out in faith. And so God comes in the form of a whisper, and Elijah has to leave the cave to get closer to God. So this whisper draws Elijah out. And in the same way, is it possible that God is whispering to us, that God is talking in very different ways, ways we have to search for, ways we have to be patient for, to draw us out of our caves, to draw us out of our own self-preservation and protection. Because in the process, when we walk closer to God, when we try to seek God in his whisper, we walk towards relationship. We walk towards true connection. And that's what God really desires for us all and what we truly need. So once Elijah's in God's presence, the Bible says, suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Which is the exact same question he had asked before, word for word. And Elijah He answers in the same way, word for word, still clearly depressed and feeling utterly alone. So God responds to his cry for help, telling him to return to face his fears and difficulties, but not alone. Instead, to anoint some new kings, to anoint a new prophet to secede him, and finally told him that he was not truly the last faithful person, but that 7,000 other people had remained faithful with him. In reality, while he felt alone, he was not alone. You are never truly alone, even if you feel otherwise. Notice what God provides that helped Elijah recover from his depression and difficulty. People and a purpose. God provided people to support him and a purpose that was his purpose alone. I mean, remember the question that God asked him twice, what are you doing here? He is asking us the same question. What are you doing here? Because whether we understand it, believe it, or are aware of it or not, that is exactly what we need. We need a purpose, and we need people to fulfill that purpose with, to help us and inspire us and encourage us and challenge us in those purposes that we have. You know, in September of this past year, the New York Fire Department graduated 13 sons and daughters of firefighters that lost their lives on 9-11. That's the highest number to ever graduate. It's amazing to think about how in the aftermath of one of the worst tragedies in modern U.S. history, purpose and positivity arose from the ashes. Those men and women who died Their children are continuing their legacy. Their sacrifice meant something. Their deaths meant something. It was not needless, but it inspired more purpose and is an amazing example of how such greatness can rise from tragedy. And even in the midst of facing depression, of facing such strong feelings of loneliness, God's purpose, our own purposes can rise up if we are just willing, if we're willing to look, if we're willing to trust in him, to trust in others to ask those and answer those questions of what are we doing here. So questions to reflect on about the three things we need to fight depression. When is the last time you were in God's presence and spent real devotional and prayer time with him? Do you even believe in God? Have you put your faith in him 
on a daily basis? If not, have you ever tried to? Because to this point, has anything really worked? Why not trust in God for the remainder of this day, this week, month, the rest of this year? Why not? The other thing to think about is who are your people or who could be your people? There are people in your life that either have had similar experiences, similar struggles, that truly want to walk alongside you and support you. You just have to take the risk of letting them in and sharing about your thoughts. As dark as they are, when is the last time you brought those dark thoughts to light and talked to someone, shared with someone? I actually reached out to a psychologist this past week, and I have an appointment to talk with him at the beginning of November. It's something that sometimes we just need to voice our doubts. As, as dark and, and terrible as they may or may not be, we have to share them with someone. And then finally, what is your purpose, or what could your purpose in life be? As I mentioned in our very first episode of this podcast, it can be as simple as mashing together your greatest passion with the greatest need you see in the world. You have a purpose, but sometimes it takes a little bit of searching, conversing, trial and error. Failures are almost certainly guaranteed, but through people and God's strength, we can continue to move forward. And finally, if you're willing, it would be great if you could share your struggles, your victories with depression, with loneliness. Please feel free to write me personally on Facebook. Lucas Ham Swisher is my name there. I'm the only one. You can write me on Twitter at MTTG Brazil Team. Or another great way to fight loneliness would be to join our Discord or to find me, this podcast, on Twitter. Links are in the show notes, of course. Finally, if you prefer to use your voice somehow, some way, call 929-GMG-GUYS. Leave a message to answer or ask a question or share your own story. Please seriously consider connecting, confiding, and conversing with me or the GMG joiners and listeners, and so many that have also faced depression and loneliness. Feel free as well to check out my sister and partner podcast, The Good Morning Guys, where every week Pat, Mark, Ronnie, and I talk about the game of life amidst the other games and nerdy stuff we love to watch and play. As pretty much every podcast tells you over and over and over again, please like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Stitcher. Help me connect with and encourage more potential joiners around the globe. Alrighty then, beloved friends, family, and joiners, go get your good morning this week, and may God bless and guide your lives as you seek to be a blessing to others. Até mais e Deus abençoe. Música